0: It is good to have everybody here today, and again, if you're visiting with this honor to have you as our guest. Deborah and I have been on a whirlwind trip. We have been to Israel and back. We spent two weeks over there. It was a very life-changing trip. It just is. Uh, Once you go over there and see the places where your Savior walked, it's just an amazing thing to enter into that land over there, see the culture See just what is going on there, and it really attains, it really pertains to what you see in scriptures and so it was really, really an awesome time. I have a couple of pictures. this one's of Deborah and I, I think next picture. there we are. This is just a shepherd's cave. Uh, we actually got fifty five people in this cave, so it was it's a big cave, and uh, don't you like my goofy hat anyway uh, you got it back in the cave, and so that was where shepherds would put their sheep, and then they would stay at the entrance of that to protect them. as kind of the gate that you would see, and I know that I got a piece of rock off the top of it, and it's burnt, so just a little piece of rock, so you knew that that's where the fires were put and stuff to keep everybody warm inside there, so that was really kind of a cool thing. Somebody asked me, you know, a lot of people ask me, what is the most impactful thing that happened to you? On this trip? What is the most impactful thing that happened to you on this trip? And it wasn't any site that I visited, it wasn't any story that was told. It was a story about a young girl who was on this trip who actually went with us. This is Don Nichols. I know you can only see the back of her. Don is 32 and she has Larson syndrome. Larson syndrome is a syndrome that usually are born with club feet and you have bone problems all through your life. And so she's limited with her hands. She was limited with even how much she could use her elbows, her knees, and everything. We worked on this trip. Don't think that this was a pleasure trip for us, it was actually a study trip, and they meant we're going to study. And so it was 12 hours a day that we were up and we were gone, 12 hours a day. And in between there, we never stopped, 12 days straight, not a break. And they told us that we were only going to be about a mile or two miles, mile and a half to two miles every day. We averaged over five on that trip that whole time. And so we put in about 70 miles of walking by the time you get to airports on both of those ends, about 70 miles of walking. This girl, Dawn, you can see that I have her hand right there on the left side there. She couldn't get upstairs. You see those stairs? She went up those stairs. Every day, she did the five miles. Every day, she got up, and with help from everybody, you can see the girls on the other side, we were there helping her on that journey. And I don't think I've ever been blessed more Never been blessed more. If you want to know my most impactful thing, it was her attitude on that whole time. I'm going to get up. I'm going to walk that path. And I'm going to climb those stairs. And she never griped. She never complained. And the blessing was, the blessing was the people that actually got to hold her hand and help her on her journey. That was a blessing. That you got to spend time with her. Her character, her nature, her just, just spirit that she had was unbelievable. And so, you want to know my most impactful thing? That's the most impactful part of my trip, was getting to be around her and getting to know her and getting to have that spirit, that spirit. She lives on the second floor in an apartment. She works for Campus Impact which is an organization that puts people in college campuses, on college campuses, to help be missionaries, actually. And so she lives at the Indiana University in an apartment there, and she's on the second floor. And she said, I don't think I'm going to complain any about the second floor anymore. (laughs) Not again. She said, well, maybe after a month or so. But that was her spirit. I do want to show you one other picture, this picture right here. This picture is on the Mount of Arbal or Arbel, however you want to uh, say it. You're looking at the north side of the Sea of Galilee. The north side of the Sea of Galilee. You're also looking at this, the, the uh, west, northwest corner of that that you're looking over there. You can see in the background. You can see how far it is. You can see all that. What's interesting is, is when our guy got up there, He said, you're looking at, which you can see right here on the screen, you're looking at 70% of where Jesus did His ministry, right there, 70%. The thing that really kind of struck me was how small was the land of Israel and how small of a country it is, that you can probably just take it and turn it sideways and put it right in Oklahoma, it'll fit. I mean, it's not that big. The Sea of Galilee is not that big. It's a mile wide at its most, and there were, this, had, this was up 15 inches from where it had been. It is full. The Sea of Galilee was going from edge to edge. It was awesome, but you, a mile at its widest, and at its length, seven miles at the length of it. We stayed on the east side For about four nights, and on that side, you could get up in the night and you could look at the go down to the Sea of Galilee, and you look to your right and see all the lights of the city. You could look across from you and you could see all the lights of the city. You could look all the way down and you could see all the lights of the city. It's not that big, and that's where Jesus did his ministry. Seventy percent of it was right there. The walk to Jerusalem would have been long. It would have been a three days journey for sure. But that was probably just the thing that just made me just go, wow, they walked everywhere. They didn't have buses or cars or anything. Not transportation like this. Just think if you had to walk to work every day, would you you work as far away as you do right now? Probably not, right? There probably wouldn't be something that you do. All right, I want to end up our, our series on Dream Again. And I want to talk about the idea of the dreaming again of being a follower by following Jesus. I love that verse that Langston read, and I want to read it again. The student, the student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their Masters. Okay. I do have one more thing for my deal. We were standing at, we were at the West, not yet. (laughs) Hang on. Hang on, Greg. Greg, that's also a video. I hope you can actually play it. No? Maybe? Okay. Anyway, we're at the Western Wall, which is a wall that you see in all the, the things of people praying. And so I'm standing back, and I'm watching everybody pray and stuff, and they're all up there, and, and uh, taking my pictures, I moved back, I'm kind of sitting there, and there's this white car, there's no cars in that area, there's no cars at all, but there's one little white car that comes in, and it comes all the way to kind of the area where you kind of enter into the western wall where you can pray. And our guide, not our study guide, but the guide that was there from Israel, his name was Yehuda. I asked Yehuda, I said, what is this? He goes, it's a rabbi. This doesn't happen much. It's a rabbi. And so, all of a sudden, now you can do the picture. Don't do the video yet, but go ahead and go to the next slide. And uh, you see that all of these guys, all these students, these are students, all these students surround this little white car. And out of him come these like three or four students that are the rabbi's students, which they would be called Talmudim. That's the name for disciple, Talmudim. And here you see everybody flock to that car. Now, if we can play the video, I don't know if we can. No? I should have told you earlier. But anyway, in through the middle of that, you're going to see the rabbi gets out of his car. And when the rabbi gets out of his car, every one of them, he opens up his Bible, and he's turning to a psalm, and then they all start, every single one of them, no one, ha- no one is looking at anything. He has that, his psalms there, and he is quoting and singing psalms. And every single one of them are doing the same thing. They have it all memorized. And understand that as a student, as a student, if you grew up Jewish in Jesus' day, From the age of 5 to 10, every girl and every boy would have gone to school, and you would have memorized the Torah, even Leviticus. The Torah is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You would memorize that. You'd spend five years memorizing the Torah. Then the girls would be said, you go home, do what you need to do at 10 years old. And then from 10 to 15, the other boys would memorize the rest of the Scripture, all the way to Malachi. You would would memorize that. And then, after 15, all these young men would have interviews with maybe a rabbi like this to say, I want to be a student of yours. I want to be a student of yours. And those rabbis would sit here and people would come in and and he would question them and talk to them and and try to help them understand, just talk to them. And then, all of a sudden, he would look at them and go, I think you need to be about your father's business. In other words, see ya, go back home, do what you need to do. Not father's business, your father's business, okay? Go back home. And only a few, only a few. And so it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't something that culture would go, oh, you didn't make it? Because 99% of the people never made it. 99% of the people had to go back. They didn't become that student of Jesus, or of the rabbi. Now, think about that. Think about that as you can hear the call of Jesus, as He's calling His disciples and what it means to them, what it means to them for a teacher that they have heard, a teacher that they have gone, man, this guy teaches like, um... he doesn't teach like all the other rabbis. He's teaching something different, and Jesus comes to them, and He says this in Matthew chapter 4, verses 19 through 20, and if you're in your outlines, we're skipping 1 and 2, normally 1 and 2. Romans, uh, Matthew 4, 19 through 20, come, follow me. He's saying this to Peter and Andrew, Peter and Andrew, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed Him." Jesus was so impactful in His teaching. Jesus was such a different type of rabbi, a different type of teacher, that Peter and Andrew said, we're leaving everything to go be with this rabbi. Now, you may think, well, what about the work? No, no, no. you got to understand, the whole village, if Peter and Andrew were going to go, the whole village was like, yay! We've got, ra- we've got guys that are going to be with a rabbi. They would have supported them on that journey. The whole town would have. To have a student of a rabbi in your town was like, man, this is awesome. This is great. Because not, every not everyone had those in their towns. And then he goes along, and who does he see? But James and John, who are working with Peter and Andrew, And it says this in verses 21 and 22. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, Dad's here this time. Dad, we're leaving. We're going with this rabbi. And most of us, most of us we go, Look at this job you've got here, son. What in the world are you doing? Are you crazy? Dad didn't say that. Because he knows this is an opportunity for my children to learn and to grow and to be taught by a rabbi. The word follow the word follows, this is not on the screen, but the word follow, I wanna give you some a, kind of a deeper, richer meaning of that word from the Hebrew, okay? If you think of that, not, I, we could do the Greek, but I wanna give you a deeper word, kind of understand it a little bit more from the Hebrew. And here's five meanings, and it's not me, you can write these down if you want to. The first one is to go after, to obey. It's what we would think about if you thought about following someone. I'm gonna follow them, I'm gonna go after them, okay? That's that's number one. Number two is to turn to or turn towards. If you're going to follow somebody, there's an idea that if I'm going to follow you, I've got to at least turn towards you to actually follow you. I've got to go in the direction that you're headed. Here's a third one. To cling, to stick to, to cleave to, to hold to. One of the sayings of a rabbi, one of the sayings of a student of a rabbi is is that I am going to follow so closely to my rabbi that the dust on his feet falls on the dust of, falls on my feet. that his dust falls on, and then you can only do that if you're close and clinging to and following that close. Here's number four: to walk or to behave in the way that he behaved. You want, not only do you does your not only do you want to go after him, but you want to do every single thing that rabbi does. And then the last one is this to vanish or to die. That following is I'm going to follow you, even if it means death. Even if it means I die. And I wonder, I wonder if our commitment as followers of Jesus Christ is that deep to our Savior. I wonder if we have that deep of a commitment to Jesus, our Savior, as these men did. In Mark 2, verses 13 through 14, you see the call of Matthew. Once again, Jesus went out to beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. How many of us are distant followers? Distant followers of Jesus. In other words, there's space between us and him. Jesus is asking us to follow him to the point to where I am clinging to, I'm holding on to, I'm so close to that his dust is on my feet. And yes, the world gets in our way. The world gets in our way. We're choked out by the weeds. We're all growing up with him. And we're getting choked out by the weeds. And I can't help but go go to Revelation chapter 3, when Jesus said, I would rather you be hot or cold and not lukewarm, and not lukewarm, that you are neither hot nor cold, I just want to spit you out of my mouth. What it does is it makes me reassess, makes me reassess my walk with God. And it ought to make us reassess our walk with Christ, our walk with Him. But wait, before you just say, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, remember that there is a cost for being a disciple. There's a cost, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us. Let me let me give you some of those. Here's the first one in Matthew chapter ten, verse sixteen. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. That doesn't sound too pleasant, doesn't it? Does it? Not pleasant at all. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Disciples, that's what I need you to do. This is where I'm sending you. This is where I'm pointing you. I'm pointing you to the place to where you're going to deal with people. It's going to be tough, and then there are going to be wolves out there. They're going to be seeking you. They're going to be trying to get after you, and we live in the same world, do we not? Everything around us, all the sensory perception that we have, everything that we put in our mind is trying to control us and pulling us in a way that says, I want you, sheep. I want you. You. Matthew ten verses twenty two. It says, "You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved." What if, what if we all spent our lives on behalf of our Savior? No, 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 I don't mean mean just lives. I mean like every aspect of our lives, everything that we think of, everything that we do, every time we walk, every time we have an interaction with somebody, we're thinking about what would Jesus do if He were here? How would He respond if Jesus was here? What would I do if Jesus were here? How would I respond? Verse 28 of the same chapter, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 10, verse 32 through 33 Whoever acknowledges me before others, before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. What if? What if? What if? We spent our lives on behalf of an eternal purpose in Christ. An eternal purpose in Christ. And the last one I want to read is Matthew chapter 10, verses 38 through 39. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And the question is to all of us, to me, to me, Me. Am I willing to lay down my life on behalf of my savior? Are we as a church willing to lay down our lives on behalf of a savior? Brothers and sisters, Jesus is looking, is looking for disciples. He wants disciples. And he wants us to be his disciples each and every day. Man, I think that's what we all want to do, right? That's what we all desire to do. We have that desire. I want to do like, I want to be like Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to do those things. I want to do that. And many of you, many of you, have legacies of faithfulness that have been passed down from generation to generation. I look back on my, my faithfulness that has been passed down for me from generation to generation. I, I think about my granddad. I think about my, my dad. I think about my uncles. I think about other people in my life like Bob and a, by the, a guy by the name of Ron that are, are faithful people that have left me a legacy of faithfulness to watch, to see. To be people that are walking in the light. And I pray that we can step up and be those disciples that Jesus has called us. Yes, it cost us something. Yes, it means our lives may have to change a little bit. Yes, it means that we're going to have to be, think about our time and think about where we're supposed to be and think about what we're supposed to do. But the question I come back to is, is how close do we want to follow Him? And how close are we following Him? Because I do believe that many of us still put distance between us and our Savior. We put distance between us and our Savior. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. We can commit our lives to being followers of His, And I pray that this church will rise up, that we will rise up a body of Christ, and we will say, I'm in. I'm in. I'm here. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to to fight the good fight that's out there. This isn't about standing here and doing ministry right here in this little place. This is about us and our lives out there. This is about us changing the way we think about who we see each and every day, about who we, who we come in contact with each and every day. This is about out there. Can I live the life? Here it's easy. We're surrounded by each other. Out there is where it gets hard, isn't it? Because we're in our work. We're asked to do things we may not want to do because they're unethical. We're asked to do things that we know we shouldn't. We're being pulled away here. Here, each week, is where we come together to gain strength together as a family, to encourage one another as a family, to strengthen one another as a family so that we can be His disciples out there. And I pray that each of us would be His disciples out there. Let's stand and sing.